0: is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Kevin Spiritus, and we talk about it all. We cover his early inspirations, projects he's getting excited about, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Kevin Spiritus. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Kevin Spiritus. Kevin, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I, I'm really excited to dive in, talk about After Forever, um, relationships in the industry. We know each other through Drew Desky and Dane Levins. Um, but before we, before we talk about all that, back to the beginning of time for Kevin, what were your entertainment dreams growing up?
1: Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be the person uh, in those musical movies. I, you know, We only had three networks when I was a kid you know, um, back in St. Louis growing up. Yeah. Uh, I just remember everything musical, everything dancing, everything um, magical, storytelling. I-, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be Gene Kelly. I wanted to be Fred Astaire. I wanted to be uh, Mickey. R- I mean, I just, everybody. Yeah. And I had this, I don't know if words will describe it, but there was sort of like this pull from uh, from my heart chakra and my spirit would just I want to be on that television doing that with them I can do that and um, kind of taught myself how to dance through my gymnastics and um, it was It was also it's interesting if I'm really honest about it growing up I also knew that I was probably different um, than than the other kids in the neighborhood. I didn't know different was gay. I didn't know different was um, uh, maybe unacceptable or looked upon with some sort of judgment. But um, I thought if I could be what was on screen and accepted for success on that level, I wouldn't have to be looked at as that other thing that I knew was probably bubbling up inside me. So for all those little kids out there, you know. It took me a very long time to find my peace with myself and my sexuality and my my understanding that I'm a man first. So, you know, that's what I lead with. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, I also knew that I could always be remembered as, um, you know, eternity, you know, for, for eternity, you could be a star and be remembered. And yeah. it wasn't until about, oh, I guess about 10, 15 years ago, I was in New York and I was telling someone uh, who had a daughter with us, and um, <laughs> I said, "I I went to see a friend's show today, and I sat right next to Shirley MacLaine." And they said, "Who's Shirley MacLaine?" <laughs> and I kind of, oh well, that that whole thing about living forever and being known forever, and that's that's done, that's out. Mm. So it became um, it became about that thing of wanting you know for forever being remembered and known for some great work to uh, focusing myself to becoming an artist and to, be, to one who creates content that moves people, that heals people, heals myself. Mm-hmm. And if I'm healing myself and you're watching that, whether it's through a song, whether it's through a story, whether it's through some sort of um, you know TV film or stage, I kind of feel if I'm healing myself and you're watching me and you're moved by me, there's some healing... For you as well. I love that. I love that. How's that from fourth grade to, 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 to present day?
0: Pretty damn good. As in fourth grade, even were you, did you embrace being different or did you ever try to fit in or was it not, or am I I,
1: I was scared. I was scared of my sexuality. I was, I was haunted by it. I thought, um, there's actually, there was a time in my life where every gay character in every uh story being told his name was kevin and um what a sign i I talk about this and and i I was like oh my god i am i'm a kevin they're gonna know i'm gay they're gonna know i'm different they're gonna know i'm like that person that my my understanding and all my communication from the world was you can't be this thing because it'll kill you it'll get you know you will be um, outcast. You will not be accepted. Uh, you can get AIDS. You know, people were all that stuff. All that noise in my head, and uh, you know, it it was it was the cross that I bared, you know, so to speak. And I I kind of hit it for so very, 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 very long. And jump cut to um, you know years and years of you know coming coming into myself and, and coming into my um, sexuality and my, my persona, I knew what I liked. I just kept it very quiet. It -hmm. wasn't something that I thought I had to or needed to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I had a great acting teacher named Milton Gonzalez who said, you're a man first, you lead from being a man. And that's, that's what it is. You know, you, there's so many slices of you, you know, you can do everything. But when it came time to, um, I guess in 2014, I was watching was watching all this new content being uh, created through the web series and and the digital series that were popping up and friends were doing so many different shows and next thing I know uh, I I said to a friend of mine how did you get this how did you create this this is it's it's so amazing the story that you're telling my friend Sebastian cause said I just wanted to write something personal and honest that I I could tell my story from and I said well what do I know what do I know about me at that time I was 50 and I was single and I was looking for love. So that's kind of how after forever got created, you know, a single gay man going out into the world wanting to create love and that's a whole the story. But so it took me a while to like not care about what was happening outside in the world, about what people were thinking about what gay is, what people, you know, of another sexuality or, mm. and everybody's got so many different terms for it now everyone's you know right everyone's got their own thing so i bless it i embrace it all and
0: what did growing up what did your what did your parents teach you about kindness
1: uh i think they're pretty good about teaching me about kindness um i think kindness was always something uh it was our responsibility to be kind. It was our responsibility to be mm. respectful. I, I got that from both my my parents. Although, you know, mixed messages were, you know, I was raised in a very nice upper-middle-class Jewish family, and I, I still think there was probably the middle of the three boys. I'm probably a little different. So, you know, mm. kind they, they, they taught me love the best way they knew sure. how to teach me love and sure. acceptance and I think there's still even part of that being worked out in my later years with them and right. um, the fact that I've gone off and always followed my own drum and um, my own beat to my own drum mm-hmm. they, I think they respect that and and they have watched me persevere and and keep my focus on what I, I wanted to do and and that's they're respectful and loving, you know. Sure. For what I've created, so.
0: I yeah. The teachers. Th- I, I
1: have a lot of teachers. I have a lot of teachers in my in my life, and uh, one of them is Joanne Smiley. She was my fourth grade music teacher, and she was actually the one who kind of encouraged me to keep following my heart and my 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 talent. And we're still in touch today. By the I way, love- she's now the mayor of Clarksville in in Missouri, but um. I, you know, I, I have to say, she taught me kindness. She taught me uh, love. She taught me respect. She taught me responsibility. She taught me discipline. Um, mm-hmm. Teach me. She she presented what it could be, sure. and those are the things that I fell into it. And just like my parents did with certain elements mm-hmm. in the family in our lives, there. I I love that. And answering the
0: question. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. And as I as I learn more about you, the persistence is inspirational. Is it true that you knocked on the stage door of a chorus line?
1: <laughs> I knocked it down. I, I took a very large log with mother, other man and we knocked it down. I love no, the visual. Um, uh, I was, I, I knocked on the door Yes. of the stage door yeah. of Hubert theater. Um, when I was 18, I moved to New York. I, uh, I against my parents' wishes. They really wanted me to stay in school at SMU in Dallas, and um, I, I just I looked at I looked at all the freshmen and the sophomores and the juniors and the seniors, and I went, I I, I feel I'm I'm kind of wasting time here. I I, I want to go out and do what they're doing now. You know, in college you're paying for an education, so you don't always get the job, mm-hmm. and. I don't know i kind of had this attitude of like i can do what they're doing and they're not hiring me to be in the school show i'm gonna go off and do it on my own mm-hmm. so i i chucked school and um not because school is a bad thing for some people i'm yeah. just i my my desire was to get going my yeah. desire was to do it now and i went to new york and i was walking down the street and i was walking with my friend jamie Torcellini, who had done a chorus line already and we were walking by the Schubert Theater and I just sort of like stopped and I stared up at the marquee and I went, I, I God, I want to do this show so badly. I, I wish they had auditions sooner. And he said, They're having a closed call. You should you should go to the stage door and, you know, drop off your pick and res and, you know, let them know you're interested. And I did. I knocked on the stage door. I said, I'm not equity, but um I hear you're having a closed call. Do you think I'm right for any of the parts please call me in and they did and and then Jamie taught me the opening combination you know um and uh I had an audition a week later and I got that job and that's what took me out of New York City after only having been there for three and a half months and I went on tour and I went all over California I went all over uh Canada and the United States and I ended up in Los Angeles a year and a half later and that's where I I remained, I went back to do it on Broadway, I guess about a year before it closed. Hmm. And, um, I had done it in different summer stock companies, but that was my knocking down the stage door at the Schubert theater. I love that. I Which love is that- actually kind of, unheard of. It's, it's kind of unheard of because you can't take your picture and resume to the stage doors anymore. No. They go, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I guess chorus line at that time was one of the older shows and they were looking for new blood and fresh faces. And, but you know, they like Wicked, Wicked's been open forever. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, yeah, yeah, take it to the casting director. You know, it's yeah. a different, it's a different time.
0: Not the door person. <laughs> <laughs> was that the um, Was that the journey for you then to um, Days of Our Lives, this theater to TV moment?
1: You know, it's funny. Every job that I have ever gotten. If I look back, there's, there's some sort of, um, learning curve. There's, um, there's some sort of personal growth. There's some sort of healing that I've had to get out of that role. And, um, uh, I mean, a chorus line, I wanted to, I wanted to play the role of Mike Costa, which is the kid who sings, I can do that. And that was my, that was my theme at the time, you know? Yeah. My mantra was, "I can do that. I can do that. I can do that." You know, I saw it. I'd see myself doing it, and I somehow create and manifest and conjure that up. And um, so, when I got out of uh, the tour and I ended up here in LA, that was 1982. Um, an agent saw me. You know, there was a lot of auditions. There was a lot of me. Um, finding my center as uh, someone other than a chorus boy, and I had some work to do on myself, and uh, I had to get myself into acting class because it wasn't about stage and performing and and all, like, razzmatazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the journey to that soap uh, role of Days of Our Lives had something to do with my persistence and my perseverance because I didn't have an agent in... Nineteen ninety-seven, I ran into a casting director and she uh, Fran Bascom, who I just I'm so grateful to her. She's no longer with us, and she she said, "I, I think there's a role that I'd like to bring you in on. It's a two-day role. Um, would you be interested?" I said, "Yes, um, you're paying me, right?" You know, and she, <laughs> she laughed, and um, but I remember at that time I had no agent, and uh, at that time you also if you didn't have an agent, there was the Academy players directory and you had to pay to have a, your picture and a phone number or your contact information. So I I was at that stage in my life where I was little broke Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the, the, the moolah to even have my picture in the Academy players directory. And she found me and she saw me doing this little, this little hole in the wall play here in LA and so she invited me in and again I just sort of like went to the set thinking well I'm being given this opportunity make it as big as you can you know pretend you're on a movie set pretend you're on a and she called me that night and said I don't know what you did on stage today but the producer called me and he really really liked what you did just go back and do the same thing and I did and eight months nine months went by and she called me up and she said are you sitting down because they want to offer you a three-year contract so i went for what they that role they saw something and they brought it forward and i i think that's true of anything you do if you if you're if you're involved from a place of honesty and integrity and it's taken me a while to learn this but you know there was something that they saw there and that kind of the focus of what I was doing and the fun that I was having and the the alignment of where I was in my life and my career and my work was I just I felt like that 9 months kind of got collapsed in time and they brought me forward and I had a new breath to my career you know and I I owe that to Fran Bascom and the gods and the alignment and everything else that it was all about um stepping into that. It's the universe. And I had something to learn from that role, Dr. Craig Wesley, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Was there ever um I, I have to ask this question. You know, with that, you know, three year contract coming up and everything, was there ever a moment of like, ooh, I don't deserve this? Or like an imposter syndrome moment? Or were you like, Yep, this is right. This is correct. Uh
1: no, I I don't think I've ever had that, honestly. Um, I think, okay. I take that back. The roles that I got, the roles that I've done, the, the jobs that I have obtained and been cast in and helped be creative on or help produce. I know that those are roles and jobs that I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. But I can tell you that the creative artist, actor, uh, um, nervous, uh, uh, creative spirit over here, if I got an audition about something that I may not have felt right for, like they're not gonna cast me in this. They're gonna cast that guy over there who has that going on. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay, so here's my little secret. Uh, That was probably where I had my imposter um, syndrome, but okay. What I've learned is is that if I lead my life from the space of being an actor, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I I can act. I'm I'm a good actor. I'm I can get the job done. You know, if, if the role is right for me. Sure. But the way I lead my life is from the energy of producer. Like I I see things. I, I know before I go in the door that yeah, if they want this person in this body to do a role like this, it's mine, but they're most likely looking at the person over there or this per, you know, I can see how it's sort of, yeah. uh, you and I are looking at each other on zoom and my hands are going, you know, puzzling. They can't see all this, this um, <laughs> gesticulating going on over here, but um, please put a note. He is actually using his hands <laughs> a lot and he's showing a lot of movement. Um, but I, I just sort of, I, I lead from producer. And if I lead from that space, I'm a great actor. Mm. Um, I'm a great entertainer. I, the, the, the energy is from a different perspective and that is where I found my sweet spot. So I may not act in everything I work on. Um, I may produce, I may help write, I may help create, I may, I may help connect people, but it's from a place of creatively producing. And that's where I know I'm not an imposter.
0: And in your career, you've given yourself permission to take those risks and persist. I wonder, as the thought process Mm -hmm. of producing has come up more, has that unlocked more permission Mm -hmm. for you? Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll say yes. Okay. I I mean, look, we'll we'll jump to after forever. Yes. Um, uh, So here I was. Um. I'd, I had moved to New York. I lived in New York a couple of times. Um, uh, I lived there those three months when I was casting A Chorus Line. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go back and forth to visit. I'd see a lot of friends, I'd see a lot of shows. And then I think in the late 80s, I went back to replace uh, somebody in Meet Me in St. Louis on Broadway. And it closed six weeks later after I had... I didn't close the show, the show was closing itself. but. Uh, <laughs> My my joining didn't close that show. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I had never lived in New York for longer than those three months. And then I was cast as uh, Hugh Jackman standby in The Boy From Oz. And that meant for me to, you know, I was done with Days of Our Lives. They had written me off and uh, I was available. I went to New York and I went there for a year and I loved that show. I loved working with Hugh. Um, he never missed a performance so I didn't go on for that role but I went on for other roles that I covered and I mm-hmm. just had a great time. So the bug of of theater kind of bit me again. Then I went to and after a year I went back to L.A. and then I went to Vegas and I did um, Corny Collins in um, Hairspray Right, and again loved being back on stage, loved the creative people I was working with and that closed prematurely unfortunately because that was such a great great show um so i went you know what i think it's time to go back to new york and i i closed everything up here sold my car went to new york and i was there for about seven and a half years and so that is the longest amount of time i've ever Mm
0: -hmm. actually
1: been in that city maybe i was there for two and a half years too long however um (laughs) I, i got my new york in sure sure uh and at that time i i fell into producing um a friend of mine had a project and i helped him gather people and uh, there was some names attached meryl streep um and uh, <laughs> and um you know I, I thought if i can't get people into the theater with this um i'm i i, I fail but anyway that was sort of like my introduction to meeting people and and um and you know i was doing some good theater work off-Broadway at the time. So my falling into producing introduced me to people who showed me the ropes of what it is to create from a producerial place. Mm. But I was then being looked, on, looked upon as just this producer. And I said, no, I, I've got this creative juice in me. I still want to perform. I still want to act. And and in 2014, um, I ran into a gentleman by the name of Michael Slade um, who used to work on Days of Our Lives as a writer. And we were at the gym and he said, are you Kevin Spiritus? Because I used to write for you on Days. And I said, oh my God, I guess I remember your name. And, and we, we, we caught up and I said, so what are you working on now? And he said, just, you know, kind of feeling it out. I said, well, let's do a new series. Let's let's create a new series. And he goes. Ah. I said no. Digital series are in, man. Come on, um, web series. Um, and he said, "I'm. I'm." He's so I can see his face right now. He was like, uh, "You're barking up the wrong tree." That was that expression of no, mm. no, no, no. And I said, "No, I want to write a show about gay men over 30. And his face changed, and he said, "Call me." This was all on the spot. So right on the spot in the gym uh, in that moment. At the gym. I, I kind of, like, like I was, read, that, that, my friend, Sebastian Lacaz, who had told me, you know, write something personal, write something you know, I had been, I had been, you know, uh, this little idea of, like, you know, writing a show about dating gay, you know, men in, in the gay world through Grindr and, and, and the tech world. It was like, I saw a comedy somewhere. I saw it happening, but it was ruminating, and, and I was ready to, it was ready to be born, and I just sort of, spewed it out at Michael and he went, let's talk. And those talks became after forever. And, um, you know, I, he said, I really don't know anything about producing. I'm, I I don't, I can't raise money. And I said, I'm not worried about that. Let's, I'll do that. Like, that's, that's nothing. That's the easy part. Let's, let's create (laughs) famous last words. (laughs) Um, By the way, season three, I'm raising money now. Um, anyway, so, uh, there's a beautiful, long, um, uh, wonderful path of, of, of how we got to creating this story. And for those of you who are listening and you haven't seen after forever, uh, spoiler alert, it's mm. a story about two gay men in their 50s who, um, who have everything in life. They have perfect apartment, perfect relationship, perfect friends, perfect jobs, everything. And then one day, um, one of them gets a cancer diagnosis and we lose him. So Michael said to me, I don't know how to make this character that you want to play, Kevin, sympathetic. I mean, he said, you know, you, you kind of have everything lined up in this you know great list of things like you know you would be the perfect date you know what is not perfect about you and I sort of made a joke um uh, uh I'm a you know I'm a very messy eater or something he laughed and he said is that why you don't have someone in your life and I said I just I just haven't crossed paths with that person yet you know that's always a a work in progress that's always a that's always a um a lesson you know whatever those people coming in and out of your life are yeah they're to teach you And I asked him, and I said, what about you? And I didn't know anything about Michael. I I just knew that he was interested in the story. And he said, "Uh, I lost my partner at 15 years about two years ago. And I had said at that time, I said, I'm so sorry, but do you still talk to him? And he looked at me, like, understanding what I was asking him. He said, yeah, I I do. And there is where, if you go to Amazon... Prime and check out After Forever, you will see that there's uh, the story is told in present flashbacks, and also my character conjures up conversations with his deceased partner to heal, to work things out. And the story wrote itself. And I think the question was, how do you get back to the producing? And, the, you know, that story was ready to be born. Yeah. And um, we, we created this very intense. Um, I feel probably one of the greatest things I've ever worked on still to this day Um, I love what we did with After Forever I love what it says it's not just about gay men it's about love and it's about how people um, uh, how people how you don't lose someone after they die people can die but they still are alive in your life and they're always there Um, and uh, the the sad part about this whole journey is that um, uh, right after we had released season 1 and started to work on season 2 Michael was diagnosed with cancer and we lost him last year so I have this extraordinary uh, uh, you know piece of content season 3 the final season that we would written together and um, uh, it's, it's our legacy and his legacy and I wanted get it finished so we have the trilogy complete but he's with me in spirit all the time and um i talk to him all the time you know he's not here in the physical world but um yeah
0: has he given you answers after
1: forever now on, on <laughs> exactly you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.